Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. If you have a Bible, if you'll turn over to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16 is what we're actually going to to look at this morning. So I shared with you a few weeks back that I have been listening to something called the Daily Audio Bible. And the Daily Audio Bible, um, it's it's been a little bit hard for me because I'm used to reading the Bible, um, but I am enjoying having the Word of God spoken over me. And so this has been something new for me and something that it's been getting, it's, I'm getting used to. I'm still reading the Bible, uh, but going through the daily audio Bible and listening to the Word of God, not reading, not sometimes I've noticed that, I don't know about you, um, but in the deficiencies that I have in the flesh, sometimes I can read something and I'm like, what did I just read? Like I just spent minutes Sometimes 30 minutes reading something, I'm like, I don't have a clue what I just read. And so it's been great being forced to listen to the Word of God. And so I just encourage you, if you, if you, uh, are just, if you don't listen to the Word of God, I encourage you to listen to the daily audio Bible and let someone else speak the Word of God over your life. So what I want to share with you this morning actually came from my time several weeks ago and just listening to the Word of God. I've read this passage a number of times, a a large number of times. I've studied this. Uh, I I, um, have have been familiar with this story. But as I heard the Word of God in a new way, I heard the Lord uh, so significantly speak through the passage of Genesis chapter 16 for us as as a congregation and the Lord wanting to mold us and craft us more and more into who he desires for us to be. Uh, But I want to start by uh, sharing uh, our dog with you. Uh, This is uh, not our dog. Um, Let's, is it working now? I'm going to reset this and see if I'll be able to control this this morning. So we'll try again here. There, there is our little, uh, our little Yoda. So this is uh, Yoda actually sitting at Abby's feet. Abby was doing her homework one day, and Yoda just wanted to be with Abby. Uh, there, there's another photo. I couldn't find it, but um, it was shortly after this that Abby had to read a book. And so she just sat on the floor, and uh, she read this book to Yoda. Here he is a little bit more dapper, wearing his necktie, uh, because if you're a male in our household, wearing a necktie is a good thing, I think, and so there Yoda is wearing his necktie. Uh, So I gave in to our girls uh, about three years ago who had been wanting a dog forever. Uh, I didn't want a dog, didn't want to care for a dog, because I knew what was going to happen. They want the dog, they promise they're going to care for the dog, but it all would fall to me. 
So I gave in to the girls a few years ago and thought, you know, they're finally getting to that age, right, where they can be responsible. So I gave in, we got a dog, and sure enough, I care for the dog, I feed the dog, I walk the dog, I pay for the dog. Um, So uh, the dog, even though he belongs to Lucy and Abby, I think the dog is my dog. To the point that I've done something that I said I would never do, the dog sleeps in the bed with me. (laughs) He sleeps at our feet. And uh, I've tried, you know, putting his bed down at the end of our bed. That works until about one in the morning. And then he comes over on my side of bed, not Melissa's side of the bed, on my side of the bed. And he scratches and whines. And I say, Yoda, go lay down, go lay down. So that will last for a minute. Then he comes back. And so I finally pick him up and put him in the bed. So now it's got to where I'm just like, Yoda, come on, let's go to bed. And so he goes to bed. Um, But here's something that... I love this dog, but here's something that drives me crazy about this dog. Every noise in the middle of the night, he has to bark at it. Every single noise there is, he has to bark at it. So during the quarantine period or that um, isolation period, you remember um, a couple of years ago, uh, it's coming up on two years exactly now, uh, we decided that we were going to spend this time at home where nobody was going anywhere, school was not in session, we were all stuck at home together, we were going to get obedience training for Yoda be a great thing to do. So we get, uh, put Yoda in this obedience training. The person Zooms with us on uh, FaceTime or on, um, on um, Zoom on the iPad and telling us what to do. It was a great, great, great thing. We get to the training and she says, is there anything that you want us to address with Yoda that we have not addressed in the training? I said, yes, he barks all night long. And so I want to know how we can get this dog to stop barking all night long because whenever he's barking, he wakes me up and it drives me crazy. Every car that goes by, every creek in the house, the ice maker dumps the ice, everything, he's barking at it. And she said, well, I just, uh, we can work on that. She said, but it's important that you know what he's trying to do is he's trying to get your attention. He just wants you to know that he is there He's heard the noise, and he's alerting you that the noise is taking place. He's not a guard dog. He's not going to be an attack dog. He's more of a licker than he is a biter. And so there's no way that he's going to attack. He's just alerting you, and he wants you to know that he is there. And then she said something that over the past couple of weeks my, my mind went back to. She said he just wants to be seen. He just wants to be seen. And that's what his bark is all about. Fast forward a couple of years. We've been here for 13 months now. And I've watched in some different behavioral problems with some of the kids in our school. We've got a great, great group of kids in our school. But you know, there's always a couple that just have some behavioral problems. And time and time again, the Lord has taken me back to this in obedience training with our dog. And I think that a lot of these behaviors are just a bunch of people who just want to be seen and heard. And you know what our society does? Our society tells them, if you do X, it's just your way of being seen, right? 
There's all kinds of different expressions of the way that our society would say, you can be seen if you do this, or you can be heard if you do this. If this is how, if this is what the need is in you, then if you do this, it's going to actually fulfill that need. You know, I believe deep inside of every single one of us, there is a desire, there is a need to actually be seen. That's true for every single one of us. And in Genesis chapter 16, the Lord speaks to us through this amazing story to say, I see you. I see you. We all know the story. If you've you've been in church for any length of time, if you've ever sat in a Sunday school class, you've probably heard the story. I'm certain you've heard the story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. To give you a little bit of background about Hagar, Hagar was not full of faith. She was not this wealthy person. She was certainly not this famous person. And if we were to go through the scriptures and take a look and list the number of people who had an amazing faith, it certainly wouldn't be Hagar. But here we find Hagar and God actually having a conversation. So if you'll look with me in Genesis, I want to start in Genesis 15 and read just a couple verses here. Because this is the backstory before we get to Genesis 16. We could go back a few chapters and see this several times. But here in Genesis chapter 15, in verse 4, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, or Abram. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. So this is the angel speaking to Abraham. Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. He said to him, so shall your offspring be. And listen to verse 6. Abraham believed the Lord. So here God says to Abraham, who doesn't have kids. He said it a few times now. You're going to have so many kids that if you tried to number them, and you tried to number the stars it would be impossible to count that many kids. And then the amazing part of this, and you have to catch this, it says Abraham believed him. So there's no doubt in Abraham's mind here. God speaks to Abraham, and Abraham believes it. But look at chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had, become, had bore him no children, but she, said, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So here we get to Genesis chapter 15. We read those verses. God said, you're going to have so many kids, they're going to outnumber the stars. You won't even be able to count these kids. We fast forward a bit decade or so, and here Abram doesn't have any kids. He had shared this with Sarah, or Sarai, his wife, and said, we're going to have so many kids, so many kids, we won't even be able to number them. We get to Genesis chapter 16, and all of a sudden, some doubt has entered in. I want to caution you, and it's important for you to catch this. If God has spoken to you about something, it's important that you write it down so you don't forget it. We have the blessing of technology. And as I was thinking about sharing with you this morning, I posted just a little blurb on Facebook. Just wanted to see 
uh, what some people actually did. Whenever I have something important, like Melissa says, go to the grocery store and buy these things. Those are important things. Because my wife has spoken, right? (laughs) And she has declared that these are the things that I need to pick up at the grocery store. So when we first got married, I would actually make a song out of whatever it was that she wanted me to pick up. Broccoli, celery, no, not that type of song. Not the VeggieTales song. But I would, I would make up black beans, rice, and potatoes too. I would write this little song so that way I wouldn't forget it. She'd say, write it down, write it down. Nope, I made a song. And then technology progressed. And you know what I do? Whenever Melissa sends me to the grocery store, or there's something very important that I have to remember, I text it to myself. And then I've got this little notification on my text that's red, and it drives me crazy because I've got to look at that notification. I get to the store, I've got the list there, and now I'm actually able to get exactly what it was that she declared that I needed to get. When God declares something to you, you need to write it down because our human fleshly minds are forgetful minds. And the older we get, the more forgetful that we are, right? (laughs) Yep, there's some of you that are raising your hand and smiling on that one. You know what I think happened to Abram? I don't know this. I wasn't there. And this was a long, long, long time ago. I wonder what would have happened had Abram written down what God had declared to him. And whenever Sarai, his wife, comes to him and says, listen, we don't have any kids. God said we're going to have kids. We don't have any kids. What would have happened if he had gone back and pulled out what God had declared? And he said, hold on just a minute. Let me share with you what the Lord has actually declared. Here we find Sarai and Abram giving in and saying, you know what? Maybe, maybe there's just a different way to this. So Sarai says, here, take my maidservant, take Hagar. I did a little research about Hagar, not much. I just wanted to read a little about her because we don't get a whole lot about her in the scripture. These are what great theologians have said, and several of them agree with this about Hagar. They say Hagar is perhaps more of an epitaph than a name. This actually means resident alien, or catch this, other So when they declare Hagar, the word that they're speaking over her is here's an alien, someone that's not from this place, or they're saying here is the other, the other person. They say that um, Hagar was an Egyptian or an African woman. She was certainly of childbearing age. But should we believe that her Egyptian name just happened to sound like the Hebrew expression that labeled her as the word other? Very doubtful, theologians say. Her enslavers didn't even bother with the name that she had been given and called her other or alien that it actually became her name. However much agency Hagar has, and it's substantial, they say, her story is an element of our stories, but no one bothers to ask, to learn, or to remember, or to, rec- or to record Hagar's true name, just labeled other or alien. 
Take a look at verse 3. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took an Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar nearing a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road of Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now a child and you shall have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards others and all of his brothers. She gave his name, she gave this name to the Lord. Listen, listen. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. You are the God who sees me, Hagar declares. The one who's been labeled other. The one who is an outcast alien. The one who is being used by Abram and Sarai in this moment. The Lord shows up and she says, I now see the God who sees me. Listen to me and don't miss this this morning. I don't care where you've been in life. I don't care what you've done. And I don't care how many messes that you've got yourself into. I don't care how dysfunctional your family was. It's probably not this, dysfunct- it's probably not this dysfunctional. And it may be. I don't know. But this I do know. God sees you. Listen, if there was a dysfunctional family, we're reading about it here in Genesis chapter 16. And if we looked at every single one of our families and we were to do enough genealogy research, we would probably say, oh man, I'm from such a dysfunctional family. I've got this that's going on in my life. I've got this that's going on in my life. And there's this and there's this. And some of it may have even filtered down to our generation or the generation before you. But none of that matters. The one thing that matters for you in your life is God sees you. Do you see him? That's what we see play out at the end of Genesis chapter 16. Here, Hagar probably didn't have a faith in the Lord. She's not listed in the scriptures in a lot of different places. Here, we see somebody who was, a, who was actually a slave, if you will. She was a caretaker. She was somebody that was given off not even called by her own name, not wealthy, and had no possessions of her own. She is there to serve, but yet God still sees her when she runs up against a wall. 
If there was any dysfunction in this story, we see it from the beginning all the way to the end of Genesis chapter 16. We see it over and over as we read these scriptures. We're like, oh man, I can't believe that's actually happening. If we were to inject ourselves into this, and if we were to watch it, this would probably be the days of our lives on daytime television. We would probably be talking about it. We'd probably be saying, let me tell you what's happening at my neighbor's house. It would probably be the talk of the town. But you know what happens? This is what happens. Dysfunction is what happens when we stop waiting on God. You see, God declared to Abraham multiple times, multiple times what was going to happen. God had spoken to him. He had to go back and refer to that which God had declared for his life. If God speaks something, listen again. Write it down so you don't forget it. Because it's important for you to go back when you're in the middle of a dysfunctional world and get the word of God. Listen, life is hard. I don't have to tell you that. You have experienced that. You have seen how unfair this world is. You have experienced the hard in your life. Some some of us might say, well, yeah, but that person has not had any hard in their life. I promise you, they they have had hard in their life. They may not have had your hard, but it is a different type of hard. They may not have had your dysfunction, but they have had some dysfunction in their life. And listen, none of us are exempt. I could share some dysfunction in my life that probably would raise the hair on the back of your head and some of my family members. But that's true for every single one of us because life isn't fair on this side of eternity. But it doesn't change the fact that God actually sees you. Listen to this verse. Jesus gave us this warning in John 16, when he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, listen, you will have trouble In this world, you will have problems. In this world, you will experience dysfunction, if you will. But Jesus didn't end what he was saying there. He said, but take heart. I, Jesus said, have overcome the world. Here, here Hagar is actually experiencing and seeing the God who sees her, who has overcome the world. The interesting thing is where the scriptures actually tell us in verse 7 that she ran to the, um, in verse 17 it says, it was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. So this was the spring on the way to Shur. Names are significant. So in the scripture that I was actually studying, there was a footnote, and I took a look at the footnote there to actually see what this place was called. Shur is the Hebrew word. It's a a derivative of this word that we would translate as wall. You know what's happening here? Hagar has hit the wall. She's at the end of her rope because as a slave where there was no hope, 
where her only job was to serve other people. Now she's been expelled from them. She has caused a little bit of problem. She's running away and she hits the wall at this place where the Hebrew word can be translated as wall. She had had enough. But you know what? God is there when you hit the wall because he sees you. And sometimes he demands the walls in our life so that we slow down just enough to actually see the God who sees us. And this is what's happening to Hagar here. She's hit the wall. There's nowhere else to go. She has left that which she was sold into and is now searching for the next step in her life. Problem after problem after problem after problem have confronted her. But when she hits the wall at this well, she slows down enough to spend some time and hear the voice of the Lord and respond to the God who sees her. There's plenty of mistakes that we could take a look at in this passage of Scripture. Lots of mistakes over and over and over here. Abraham, uh, Abram made some mistakes. Sarai made some mistakes. Hagar actually made some mistakes. Lots of dysfunction that's here. But listen, it doesn't matter. The mistakes don't matter as long as you surrender them to the Lord. Did you catch that? Mistakes don't matter as long as you surrender them to the Lord. That's the beautiful part of grace that he has given to us. Because of his love, whenever we ask for that forgiveness, that forgiveness is there for us. God didn't reject Hagar. God didn't expel her. He didn't say, boy, you've hit the wall. You've sure messed up now. You're running away from something that was forced upon you. And I'm done with you. I'm washing my hands of you. That's not the way that God actually works. In the midst of mistakes, mistakes that are surrendered to God always lead to the beautiful plan of God in all of our lives. Let's look at some of these mistakes here. And Abram, boy, he's made a few mistakes here. Genesis chapter 15, we read it to start with. God declares something to him. Abraham, now we fast forward. Abraham, in, through the years, has actually forgotten that. You know, I think the, the beautiful thing of hearing the voice of the Lord and spending time with him and being able to discern that which God is saying to you, the beautiful thing is God is preparing us for what he's going to lead us through. That's why I talk so much about sitting down with the Lord, slowing down enough to listen to Him in this pattern that's been new for me over the last six, seven or so years of my life and actually recording what I sense the Lord saying or, or what the Lord may be leading in my life. And I'll write those things down. And I don't always have it right. And I'll say sometimes, God, I, I think this is what you're saying, but I'm not 100% certain. And there are other times that I'll write something down and other people will say, hey, I've been praying about this. Is this some? And man, it's so encouraging. I wish that Abraham had written down what the Lord had said, and this may have turned out actually a little bit different. But God declares something to Abram. And then we fast forward and here Abram now is getting ahead of God. And he's saying, okay. His wife comes to him and says, here, we're not having any kids, so let's hurry up. Let's speed up the Lord because you're getting pretty old here, and we need to move things right along. If we're, we need to help the Lord out. Abraham made several mistakes in this. 
His wife Sarai was certainly no different because in Genesis chapter 16, verse 2, it says, So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Do you see what Sarai is saying there? Perhaps I can build a family through her. Do you see the focus of Sarai in that? It wasn't on the Lord. The Lord declared what he was going to do to Abram. Sarai is now declaring what she wants to do. She said, perhaps I can build a family through my maidservant. Again, she's getting ahead of God. This is probably the number one thing that happens in my life. And also, I believe, probably the number one thing that happens in our life. For those of us who are followers of Jesus. The temptation is we want to get ahead of God and help God out. God doesn't need our help. He didn't need our help in creation. He doesn't need our help in salvation. He doesn't need our help in day-to-day life and the various things that we actually go through. God, who sees you, is always at work for, your glory, for his glory and for his honor in your life. Abraham made some mistakes. Sarai made some mistakes. Hagar gets brought into this. And then in Genesis chapter 16, verse 4, we see her actually make a mistake. It says, Abram slept with Hagar and she conceived. And then when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her, mist- her mistress, Sarai. So now Sarai's causing this great problem. I don't know what's actually going on here. We could probably guess. Abraham's married to one person. He's having children with another person. The person that he's having children with is now causing problems with his wife. Imagine how this plays out day after day after day after day. It is. It is a daytime soap opera for us, but we're reading about it in Genesis chapter 16. And then in verse 5, Sarai has had enough. And she says in verse 5, You, to Abram, you are responsible for all of this. Now, I don't know how heated discussions go in your house. But that's usually how things happen, right? You are responsible for all of this. And then the response is, no, 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 no. Well, let me tell you about you. And then let me tell you about, do you see the dysfunction that not waiting on the Lord has caused in this one instance? All because they heard something from the Lord and then they wanted to get ahead of the Lord and help God out. Abraham made problems. Abram made problems. Sarai had, uh, had problems. Uh, Hagar had problems. And we could all say that Hagar was probably the victim in this whenever Sarah, Sarai and Abram came to her and said, listen, God has declared something, and so we're going to need your help. Sarai said, I'm going to build a family through you. So Hagar gets pulled into this, doesn't say what all happened, but can you imagine how this is actually playing out here? All because they got ahead of the Lord. I think probably Hagar at this point was probably feeling that her life was out of control. She wasn't the one calling the shots in life anymore. She wasn't the one that was making the decisions for her life anymore. She was sold into slavery. 
She had to serve this couple. And now this couple is coming to her saying, you're going to sleep with a husband and you're going to have a family. And this is how God is going to bless and create an entire people. (laughs) Man, how many times do we mess up the will of the Lord? Because when he declares something, we think, God, God, you're not working the way that I want this to work out. God, this is not happening the way that I want this to happen. And so let's get this thing speeding up. Let's, let's move this right along. And then we get to verse 7. And we see Hagar's struggles. She, she left. She said, you guys have pulled me into this. You guys have roped me into this. This was not Hagar's way of working out God's plan. This was Hagar being pulled into this. And now when Hagar starts causing some problems in the family, I can only imagine the animosity and the tug of war that was happening between Sarai and Hagar And here Abram's in the middle thinking, all I know is God said that he's going to create so many kids that I won't even be able to number them. And I'm just trying to have one kid, and this is what's taking place. In verse 7, Hagar's had enough. And she decided, I'm leaving. I am out of here. I'm moving along, and I'm going to go out on my own. In verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near the spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. Do you catch what's happening in this verse? You you, you have to slow down and read this enough to actually see what's happening in verse 7. You see, here before she realizes it, God has gone before her. Here before she actually notices God, The scriptures tell us the angel of the Lord found her. God was searching for the one who was running from all of the problems. The scriptures don't tell us if Hagar had faith. The scriptures don't tell us if she believed in the God of Abraham and Sarah. We we don't get that from, from the scriptures. We would assume probably from where she was at, And we could make the assumption that probably from the little that we know about her, she didn't have the faith that Abram and Sarai had. But despite her no faith or lack of faith or little faith, God was still working in her life. But you know what the alarm for me was in reading this passage or hearing this passage of Scripture read again? You know what the alarm was? Abram and Sarah are the ones who had a relationship with God. But do you see what they've done? Do you see who they've driven away from them? They've driven away this slave who they have made the problem with, who they said to her, hey, listen, God made this promise. I'm not getting pregnant, Sarai said, and so you're going to have to be the one to actually step in, and we're going to build a family actually through you. The two people who had faith in God are the ones that drove Hagar away. Listen, there will be some people that come into this refuge of grace that God has declared that we are to be, 
And we have to be careful with them not to drive them away from the God who sees them. We have to be so careful that everything we do builds them up in the faith instead of makes them run away. We have to be careful. Abraham and Sarah had a responsibility here because they had a relationship with the Lord. They should have been building that faith up in Hagar. Some of this may have taken place. We don't know. We don't have a lot of those details in the Scripture. We will know that when we stand in eternity before the throne of God. It's not going to really matter then because we'll be in the presence of the Lord. But there's a warning for us as a church that people that we encounter, that we would say are from Egypt, from another place, we have a responsibility to nurture their faith and helping them along. But God is so specific in verse 7. So specific in verse 7. When he actually says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Near this place where we would say she actually had hit the wall. He found her there. He found Hagar there. But the scriptures don't stop there. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. And this is so awesome to me and you can't miss this. In verse 9, the angel of the Lord said to her, to Hagar, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. You see, God found Hagar. And then he provided a solution. Isn't that just like God? Isn't that the amazing God that we serve? Whenever we get to what we think is the end of the rope, whenever we've run so far, it's like we've hit a wall, then God says, now let me give you the solution. Can you imagine what was welling up in Hagar? She had been pulled from her family, sold off to be a servant to these two people. These two people decided that they were going to build a family through her. Hagar had some, some problems with Sarai, which who wouldn't have those problems? And then they start having this dysfunctional family problem. Hagar thinks that she's the issue, and so she's leaving. Where's she going? Who knows where she's going? She doesn't have possessions. She doesn't have wealth. She doesn't have any notoriety. She's just leaving to get out of this situation. All the while, God is knitting together a baby inside of her. And then whenever she gets to the place of this, what we would say is the Hebrew word, she hits a wall, the angel speaks to her, and he provides a solution to her. Listen, it's important that you know that God has every solution to every problem or issue in your life. Every problem or issue, God has a solution for it. God wants to resolve this dysfunction. God wants to move past all of this. God wants to get her past this tangled up situation and he provides the solution. It doesn't matter how messed up or tangled up your life is. God knows the next step that you need to take. 
You have to get to a place to where you stop providing solutions and start turning to the one who holds all of the solutions. That's our job as his children. And then finally, when Hagar hears the solution, we get the beautiful passage where she says, I see the God who sees me. Do you see him? Do you see the God who sees you? Are you trying to find all of the solutions to the problems in your family? Are you trying to get past the dysfunction like we read about in this passage of Scripture? Or are you trying to ask the Lord what the solution is? Our old fleshly nature is to run away, just like Hagar. Listen, there's a bad problem over here. I've caused some of this. Abraham's caused some of this. Sarai has caused some of this. All of us are at fault in this situation. And so our fleshly nature actually kicks in in Hagar here. And Hagar says, fine, I'm out of here. I can't fix this. Abram can't fix this. Sarai can't fix this. There's all kinds of problems. And so all I know to do is to run away and go try to start again and do something else all on my own. We try to run away naturally. I mean, it's our instinct to run away, to flee. That's why we see... I won't share that. But it's still our nature to run away. That's why we see it in our society over and over and over. People just running away. People getting out of hard problems. You know why? Because they've tried solution and it failed. They tried another solution and it failed. But here's what I know in those situations. Everybody did not try God's solution. Up until we get to Genesis chapter 16 verse 9, Everybody's trying to solve the problem on their own. Everybody's coming to the table with a solution. But nobody had stopped to hear God's solution until Hagar got to the end of the rope. She hit the wall, and then God provided the solution. We have to make the shift. Listen, followers of Jesus. We have to make the shift in our life in the way that we actually see it happening right here in Hagar. We didn't see it in the two that had faith in Abram and Sarah. We didn't see it in the ones who had relationship with God. We see it in the one who encountered God along the way. We have to make the shift to letting the faith that God wants to build up in us be played out in our everyday life. Faith is simply seeing things from God's point of view. And you know what's beautiful? God's point of view is different from our point of view. We see like this. We see each other like this. God sees the greater picture and sees everything that's happening in our life. We have to see things from God's point of view. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 verse 18, this is his prayer for the believers. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light so that you can see the wonderful future God has promised to those that he called. You know what Hagar is starting to catch a glimpse of here? Despite the dysfunction, despite the hard times, 
despite being so messed up in this family and despite the, the uh, despising each other that there was, she was starting to see things from God's point of view. She caught a glimpse, I believe, of the wonderful future that God had actually promised to her. Here's the thing that drives me crazy, though. There's this interesting trend in our country. I want to bang my head against the wall sometimes about this. And if this is you, I apologize in advance. There's this interesting trend in our country to go out and hire life coaches. Have Have you seen this? Go hire a life coach. Because the coach can step into your situation and the coach will be able to give you the next steps of what you need to do to maybe take your career to the next level or to take your life financially to the next level or to to do whatever, to get to the next level. It's always about making some type of advance. It's always about moving a little bit further on in life. There are times that life coaches can be good. But more often than not, these life coaches only give great advice You know what was happening here between Abram and Sarai and Hagar? They were coaching each other how to get through what God was trying to do. This trend has continued in the church. And in the church, we say, go hire a consultant. Let the consultant come in, and the consultant can tell us how to build things and how to manipulate things and and do this and that, and, and that's going to move our church forward in the right direction. Listen, if your life coach or if your consultant isn't pointing you to listen to the Lord, then go find a different one that points you to listen to the solutions that the Lord wants to provide for your life. Because a coach and a consultant cannot hear God for you. They should be pointing you to listen to the Lord. I imagine what a life coach or consultant would have done in this situation with Abram and Sarai and Hagar. How do you fix this? Listen, there are some times that we need some outside people to come in and give us guidance. There are some times that we need to go sit with some counselors that can help us talk through some things. And I'm not talking about those types. I'm just saying what we have to make sure that we do is we have people in our lives that are pointing us to actually listen to the solution that God wants to provide in your life. Hear me this morning. Hear me when I say this. God sees you. And if God sees you, I know, I know that I know that He has the answers and solutions for whatever problem that you may be facing in your life. Look again at verse 13. This this girl, Hagar, didn't have a lot of faith or had no faith. She had been on the outskirts of Abram and Sarai's life, and she had heard, I'm certain, of all that was taking place. She knew what was going on. She wasn't a dumb girl. Didn't have a lot of means. She was a slave. But here in verse 13, there's a dramatic shift in her life. The scriptures tell us that she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. She gave God this name. You are the God who sees me. And then she said, 
I have now seen the one who sees me. You are the God who sees me. I have now seen you. I want to ask you this morning, are you tired trying to find solutions and next steps for your life? Are you tired of battling the dysfunction, the heartache, the struggles, the pain, and the frustration? If, if that's where you're at, this morning, there is a God who sees you. Do you see him? This morning, I've prayed that scales would fall off of some of our eyes, that blinders would be ripped off, and that in this moment, at the end of our service this morning, we have a body of believers, a group of followers of Christ that start to see God afresh and anew because he is the God who sees you. It's at this point that Hagar changed her thinking about God. She entered into that relationship with the Lord. And it was here that she went from being not seen to realizing that she was seen. Our goal in the behavior issues that we battle with our kids are to let them know that we see them. We see them and we hear them. We started with our dog just to let him know with a little touch in the middle of the night when he's barking, we see you, and that calms him. This morning, I know that there's a God who just wants to put his hand on you this morning and calm you and say, I see you. God sees you. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you you continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week.